Well, hello. Welcome to Vaughn Forest. It's great to see so many of you here on our campus. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. If we haven't met, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here. Glad you're here. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus's most famous sermon. And if you're just jumping in today, uh, we're about halfway through, and uh, all of the previous messages are posted on our website if you want to kind of catch up. And we're just kind of picking it up uh, one week where we left off the last. So we've got a lot to cover today. So let me show you where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, we will put all the verses up here uh, for you. And as you can see, the title of today's message is Loving People Who Are Different Than Me. And there's a progression in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to start by clarifying what it looks like to live in right relationship with God. And then he's going to begin to move to what it looks like to live in right relationship with one another. And Jesus doesn't separate these. In fact, all over the New Testament, we can see that how we love God is reflected in how we love one another. And what we're going to talk about today are a lot of those one another's. And so there's some message notes inside your bulletin. If you're here on our campus, let me ask you to go ahead, grab those, get ready. If you're new, uh, we take notes. And we do that because it helps us remember, which makes it more likely that we will put it into practice. Now, if you're joining us online, you can access the notes right here at vaughnforest.com. What we're going to do is we're going to work our way through this passage, and we're going to kind of look at it a couple of verses at a time, and then I'll give you an application there in your notes, and uh, we're going to see what God's Word has to say to us today. Let's So let's get started. First couple of verses we're studying today. Again, starting in verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So we'll talk in a moment here about the idea of praying for those who persecute you. But we really need to spend some time talking about this first little part of the verse that simply says, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. What I want you to see is that's actually not in the Bible. So if you're jumping in today for the first time, the backdrop of the Sermon on the Mount, we've said over and over, is the false teachings from the Pharisees. Now, these were the religious leaders of the day, and they were twisting God's word to their benefit. They were adding man-made laws to God's law, and then they were oppressing God's people Not because God's people weren't keeping God's laws. They were oppressing God's people because they weren't keeping the Pharisees' man-made laws. And what what the Pharisees had done is they had taken some things out of context and they'd added a few things to it to the extent that love your neighbor and hate your enemy was kind of accepted as God's truth. Here's the problem. It's not in the Bible. So when Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, he's not referencing you have heard that it was said from God's word. We've seen in this series the distinction that the New American Standard provides for us when Jesus is referencing God's word, it's in all capital letters. You may have noticed those verses weren't. So Jesus says, you've heard it said, but it's been said by these Pharisees. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy isn't in the Bible. And we may sit here all these years later and go, how on earth could something that's not even in the Bible have taken root to the extent that everyone actually thinks it's in the Bible? But perhaps we should be careful with that notion because we do the same thing today. In fact, this week I sat down and I prayerfully created a list. I like lists. Do you like lists? I created a list of some things that most of us think are in the Bible that are actually not in the Bible, that we've maybe even said from time to time. They sound super biblical, they're just not in God's Word. So we're going to look at this list, and you may be thinking, well, why does that matter? Why is that helpful? Here's why it matters. Far too many Christians 
have lost their enthusiasm to walk with God because they think God didn't come through for them. They think that God didn't deliver on one of his promises. Here's the problem. It might be a promise God never made. It might be a spiritual urban legend that sounds incredibly biblical. It's just not from God. So I didn't put these in your notes. We're going to talk more about them on the podcast this week. But quickly, I've got six of them today. First one, God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. Now, I'm not advocating that you sleep in every day and never do any work. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, Ruth from the Old Testament gives us a great example. She's praying for God to go before her, but she's also getting up early and going to work in the field. And it's while she's working in the field that God in his sovereignty brings Boaz along, okay, while she's working. So God's sovereignty and our work do go hand in hand. But this notion that God is only helping those who help themselves is a false notion, See, I don't know about you, but can I share the testimony of my life? There have been multiple times God has helped me and I was not helping myself. I was doing the exact opposite of what God would have me do. I wasn't walking in obedience. And yet God in his kindness and in his graciousness continued to shower me with his love. See, the goodness of God in our lives is not contingent upon us contributing to it. God isn't just looking to help those who help themselves. God, in his loving kindness, helps, loves, provides. That's how good and big and gracious our God is. Let me give you a second one. Maybe you've heard this before. God will never give you more than you can handle. That is not in the Bible. In fact, there will be seasons in our lives where God very much gives us more than we can handle. So why would God do that? Why would God give me more than I can handle? Well, first of all, that's kind of a false notion. See, if your identity is in Christ, and if you have God's presence with you, you're not ever really gonna be in a place where you're ex ex experiencing more than you can handle. But see, here's the thing. We'll forget that. So what God often does is he will allow circumstances in our lives to feel like they are more than we can handle. Why? To drive us back to our dependency on him. See, growing in faith is a daily dependency on God. And for a lot of us, if we were honest, most days, we could get by just fine without God. Some of us are kind of practical atheists with the way we live our lives. We don't really need God to do anything. So sometimes God reminds us, hey, being dependent on me is the best thing you can do. Sometimes God will allow circumstances into our lives to remind us we need his people. See, God never intended for us to walk this Christian life alone. We actually need one another. He's given us one another. And so God will remind us of that and his loving kindness again. Now, the New Testament does say that when you are tempted, God will give you a way out. But that's not the same as saying you will never be given more than you can handle. Let me give you a third one. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, if you call Vaughn Forrest home, you've heard me talk about this before. That's not in the Bible. In fact, Romans 1, Romans 2 would kind of allude to this idea that we are actually called to love the sinner and hate our sin. The way Jesus would say it is, hey, don't get so caught up in the speck of sand in your neighbor's eye when you've got a plank of wood sticking out of your own eye. Before you go judging everybody else, take a look in the mirror. Do you know why we are called to love the sinner? Sinners are all God has to work with. That's it. We're born with a sin nature. And if you have been rescued and redeemed through salvation in Jesus Christ, never forget that that's where you were at one point as well. 
And now you're on mission, salt and light. You're called to love the sinner, but hate your own sin. So, so let's love people would be another way of saying that. And then let's be convicted over our own sin. Let me give you another one. It's not in the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. Money can be used for amazing things. It all depends on whose hands it's in. We talked earlier in our service about how so many of you are generous and you're obedient. And God takes resources and he multiplies them for kingdom purposes. The Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. That if all you ever do is chase money with your heart and chase money in your life, you're going to end up in a really bad place. But, but money can be used for incredibly good things. Just don't love money. Love Jesus and then use resources to honor God and let those resources be used for his purpose. Let me give you another one. It's not in the Bible. God wants me to be happy. Maybe someone's told you that before. I hate to burst your bubble, but God's goal for your life is not happiness. It's a much higher calling. God wants you to grow in holiness. And oftentimes it's circumstances that on the surface don't seem to be very happy that produce the greatest holiness. See, we are called to draw from a deep well of joy in our lives that transcends our circumstances. Now, where does that deep well of joy spring from? Our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we've literally been transformed from the inside out. And it's because of this change that's happened in us that circumstances around us will not dictate our level of joy. Now, we walk through difficult seasons. Yes, heartache. Absolutely. Does God expect us to not display emotions? No, God created us as emotional beings. But, but God's goal for our life is not our circumstantial happiness. He wants us to grow in our holiness. And then the last one that is not biblical, but maybe we thought it was in there, is that everything happens for a reason. You ever heard, heard that? Never said that? that? That sounds like it should be in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's true that everything does happen for a reason, but sometimes that reason is we make really dumb decisions. Don't point, okay? I mean, there's a reason. Sometimes the reason is us. Sometimes the reason is we live in a fallen and broken world where sin has affected everything. God's word does says, say that he will work together for the good all things in our lives for those who are called according to his purposes. But see, if we're called and living according to our purposes, that, that's not what that verse is talking about. And, and so, so the, the, the goal here is to recognize that, that these things that we may think are in God's word that are not in God's word, we've got to right-size that and we've got to let the truth of God's word guide us or we can end up down a path away from God that God never really even intended for us to go down. Now let's go back to this whole verse and talk about what's happening here. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy is not in the Bible. So what were the Pharisees actually doing? Second, they were giving a terrible interpretation. They're making an argument from silence. And so the Old Testament says, love your neighbor as yourself. They then added the phrase, and hate your enemy. It's not in there. They're making an argument from silence. And, 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 and anytime we add something to God's word, we lose. Right? God's word is sufficient the way that it is written, inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're also ignoring other passages that commanded them to help their enemies. This is all over the Old Testament. So they're ignoring passages. They're adding to God's word. They're producing false beliefs. They're oppressing God's people. And Jesus wants to obliterate all of that. Now, what's the application for us today? If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to jot down. We are simultaneously, we are to simultaneously speak out against and pray for those who persecute 
believers. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. So let's talk for a second about persecution. Those of us who live here in America, we face a little bit of persecution, but compared to our brothers and sisters in Christ that live in other countries, we're not persecuted at all. And if you haven't already made it a habit, whether it's on social media or through other websites that that you can research, educate yourself about persecution of Christians all over the world. In fact, there's a Sunday in June every year where we draw special attention to that and to martyrs and to those who are being persecuted. And, And you can keep up with this. And they're brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing real persecution. And can I challenge us as a church family to daily pray for our brothers and sisters who face that, but then to also pray for those who persecute them. See, the biblical example of this is Paul. Paul was the chief persecutor of Christians in the first century until he met Jesus. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wrote half the New Testament. So our family history is a family history of Jesus getting a hold of people who persecute us, changing their lives and using them for his purposes. And so there's a clear mandate here from his word for us to do the same. Speak out against. Let's speak up for our brothers and sisters, but then also pray for those who are doing the persecuting. Let's jump back to the passage and see what the second part says. For he, who's he? Now, the end of the last verse mentioned God, who is in heaven. So when Jesus refers to God, it's always in the masculine. He's referring to God as he, Father. So he, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What's the application here for us today to see? Jot this down if you're taking notes. We are to see the difference between God's common grace and God's saving grace. What's God's common grace? Everybody gets to experience the sun. The rain falls for everyone, good, evil, and indifferent. The God's common grace is for everyone's benefit, and it's literally what keeps this world from becoming hell. I mean, when we really read what God's word has to say about uh, sin and, and, and the fallen nature that it has left the world in, sin has affected everything from creation to weather patterns to animals to people. And when we see evil in this world, if not for God's common grace, this world would be hell. When someone says hell on earth, there's actually something to that. And it's God's common grace that's actually keeping that from happening. And the best way to understand God's common grace as it compares to God's saving grace is by going to the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world common grace. So it's from God's grace and it's from God's love that what is he going to do? He so loved the world that he sent his only son, God's common grace, his love for his people. God was not going to let sin keep people from experiencing a relationship with him. So from his grace, he sends his son. But what does the verse say? It says, whosoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. And this is where we move from the common grace to the saving grace, that you have to choose to believe. And now, once you choose to believe, you experience the saving grace of God. Now, when you make this choice, it's not based on your own merit. It's not based on your own effort. It's not based on all the good things you've done or how many times you've been to church or how many verses you've memorized or any of that stuff. It's by grace through faith. And everybody has to come to a place in their life where they recognize the distinction. Yes, God is good, and yes, God loves me, but I've got to get to a place where I choose to experience salvation by freely receiving the gift of salvation. So how do you do that? Well, you admit you don't have it all together. 
Now, I know in this world, nobody else will tell you that. Because in this world, we're told that we do have it all together. And we can just reach from within. And we have what it takes. And here's the truth of what God's word says. You're a sinner in need of a savior. And for many of you, that's good news today. Because here's what that means. You don't have to figure it out on your own anymore. You just come clean and say, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe. Whosoever believes. I believe, Jesus. You're the son of God. You died on the cross for my sin. You walked out of the tomb, which matters because only, one, only someone who defeats death can offer me eternal life. And if you've never received the free gift of salvation and experienced God's saving grace, I would challenge you to do that. Okay, let's go back to the passage and see how it wraps up. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus references two groups of people, tax collectors and Gentiles. Tax collectors were people who were Hebrew by birth, but they were working for the Romans. And they were cheating God's people. They were overtaxing them. They were fleecing God's people lining their own pockets, and, and God's people hated them for it. They were traitors. And then Gentiles, there was a particular gap between the way Gentiles viewed Hebrews and Hebrews viewed Gentiles. And, and Jesus says, listen, e even those folks, they love people who are just like them. He says, but your love is actually supposed to be perfect. And, and when he talks about having a perfect love as your heavenly father is perfect. He, he's not speaking of this in the sense of being perfect in everything you do. It's, it's a reflective tense. In other words, the love that I'm talking to you about, the love that you have for others who are different than you, it's that type of love that should be perfected in your actions towards people who are different than you. And Jesus is challenging those who heard him in the first century to do this, and he's challenging us to do this today as well. So what's the practical way for us to put this into practice today? It's our third application that I would ask you to jot down. We are to genuinely love, and I cannot stress that phrase enough, genuinely. We are to genuinely love people whose L-Y categories, and I put L-Y in quotation marks, are different than ours. I mean, you know what the L-Y categories are, right? Politically, socially, economically, racially, generationally, our society is segmented by LY categories, LY tribes. And in case you haven't noticed, the way of the world is to separate people and to make people divisive towards one another through these LY categories. It's why our country is in the shape it's in. That, that, that our world has perpetuated this culture that Unless you see this thing exactly the way I do it, take any of those LY categories, and unless you see it exactly the way I see it, down to every last detail, you're the enemy. And that's why we're so divided as a country. Now, here's the good news for those of us who claim the name of Jesus. There's never been a better opportunity to shine our light. Because here's what's true about God's people. God's people have a lot of different LY categories too. I mean, I think about our church here at Vaughn Forest. One of the things I love about Vaughn Forest is our diversity. And at Vaughn Forest, we have diversity politically. Now, I know for some of y'all, it blows your mind. How on earth, right, could someone who loves Jesus vote differently than me? You just have to let your mind be blown, okay? That, it can happen. Differences politically, socially. We may all see the same social problems. We may not all agree on the same solutions. Economically, racially, generationally. I love that our church has five generations of people. I love that we have racial diversity 
in Montgomery, Alabama, the birthplace of the civil rights movement. See, here's what I'm trying to, to help us see, church. We may not be a perfect church, but we have an amazing opportunity to our community to say, hey, among God's people, those LY categories don't create division. We don't check our differences at the door. We're not going for uniformity. We're all about unity. See, uniformity says don't be you, be like us. Unity says, can I listen to you so I can learn from you? But can I hear from you so, so, that, so that God's love in me can grow? By learning from someone whose background, story, history, or life experience is different than mine, and we're actually gonna be unified, here it is, because of those differences, in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And if you look around your friends, and quite simply, they all look like you, you don't love other people, you just love yourself. And all you've done is surround yourself with people who would reinforce what you already think. And Jesus calls us, church, to a higher standard. And I'm so grateful that our church steps into that and models that for our community. Would you bow your head with me this morning? And so, Jesus, as we come to you, we let your word read us as we read it. And, Lord, for many of us, we confess that the idea of praying for those who bring about persecution is difficult. May you empower us with your Holy Spirit to move forward in obedience. Lord, for many of us, we confess that as we look at people in our lives, we have a challenge loving those who are different than us. Seeing unity as a higher value than perhaps our opinion on a particular subject matter. And Lord, may we confess that and may you continue to convict us of that so that we have a greater opportunity to be a witness to those who don't yet know you. And then Lord, for those who are here today who have not experienced the saving grace of salvation, Lord, may you continue to draw them to you convict them through the power of your Holy Spirit so they may, by grace through faith, accept you as their Savior. Lord, we thank you for that, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to take about 15 minutes, and uh, we're going to talk about a little family business here. If you're a guest today, uh, we're so glad you're here, and uh, we're going to talk about some things, and you're going to kind of get to hear it. And uh, for those of you who call Vaughn Forest home, uh, you received a video from me a couple of weeks ago where I shared uh, that God has called me to a new season of ministry. So I wanted to take a few minutes in our service today to talk about that and also talk about some next steps that we're taking here at Vaughn Forest. Now, first of all, if you didn't see the video for whatever reason, we're gonna have that posted on our website. It'll also be on our YouTube channel. And so I don't wanna uh, reiterate everything I said in the video. It was a little long. And so uh, just to hit a couple of the highlights from that time, uh, we, we were not looking to make a move. Uh, we absolutely love it here. Um, I love you. Our family loves you. Uh, we love living in this community. This church has been the greatest blessing in our life. And uh, God brought this into our life uh, without us seeking it out. And we began to prayerfully consider. Um, and, and it got to a point, as I shared with our governance board, and I've shared with many of you, that to not go uh, would be disobedient. So we are simply leaving out of obedience to what God has called us to. And we will be moving to the Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill area of North Carolina. The name of the church is New Hope Church. I'll be serving as their lead pastor. Um, two weeks from today will be my last Sunday here, June 4th. And then we'll be starting up there sometime in June. We'll be moving up there this summer. And so I would just ask for your prayers for my family and I. Uh, we have a house to sell and we need to find somewhere to live. And our boys are going to be starting new schools and and everything that goes with that, we know that God will be faithful, but we would cover your prayers in this season. I wanted to speak more about what's gonna be happening here at Vaughn Forest. Um, 
I've never been more excited about a church than I am about Vaughn Forest Church. So many of you over the last couple of weeks as we've talked, you have said the things that I really wanted to hear. Uh, the first thing, selfishly, that you've told me is that you're going to miss me. And I appreciate that. Because if you said the other, that would have hurt my feelings. And so um, I appreciate that. But the bigger thing you've said is that we're going to keep going forward. This church is going to move into the future. God has really good things in store for this church in the future. And I know that. And we're going to talk about that here today. So the first thing I want to just let you know is that every Sunday is going to continue to happen just like they always happen. And so Chad Boak, our executive pastor of ministries, um, he teaches from time to time. He always does a great job. He's going to have a lot on his plate in this season. So he'll keep teaching, but it'll probably be about once a month. So what we've been doing is working together along with our governance board and Hardy and reaching out to a lot of amazing pastors literally all over the Southeast and scheduling them. And all I can tell you is that during the month of June and July, you're going to hear the best preaching you've ever heard at Vaughn Forest Church, okay? So I want to challenge you to be here. We have some phenomenal guest speakers. You're going to be coming in. These are men of God who pastor other churches, and they're giving up a Sunday to come and share with you and invest into you, and it's going to be a blessing to you. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be here for that. The other thing I want you to know about is uh, we talked a few weeks ago uh, with the governance board, and I just encouraged them I said, look, God's calling me to this, which means God is calling the next pastor here. And this church is amazing. I mean, everything, I mean, we're not perfect, but we're in a really good season. And I think that God's gonna bring someone here and you guys are gonna go forward. And um, I don't think there's any wisdom in, in moving slow in this season. And we, we spent some time praying about that. And uh, they agreed. And so I'm, I'm really glad because the wisdom there is pastors will move more likely, be open to move during the summer um, so their kids can get in a new school. And so um, the search team, many of you have suggested names over the last week. And so in just a few minutes, uh, Norman Schlemmer, who's the chair of our governance board, he's going to be you know, introducing you to the search team. And, and that process is moving full steam ahead. And I do believe that God is quickly going to bring the next pastor. And we're praying that that happens this summer so that everything can continue to move forward. And then also to talk about what the leadership is going to look like in this season. And so I'm going to be joined now on stage. I just mentioned uh, Norman. He's going to come out. Norman Schlemmer is the chair of our governance board. And then Noah Griggs, who's also on our governance board, is going to serve as the chair of the search committee. And then Chad Boak, Hardy Sellers, our executive pastor of ministry, executive pastor of operations, and Matt Collins, our worship pastor, um, are also out here. And Norman, one of the things that we've talked about is a lot of times in these seasons, a church will bring in an interim pastor for a season. And, and we really felt that in this season, um, that probably wouldn't be the best step, step to take because of the leadership we already have um, with these three men who are out here with us on the stage. So talk about that a minute, and then we'll talk about the search team here in a few minutes as well. <clears throat> Thank you, Adam. So Adam just said it uh, the best that could be said. We, we do not need any more leadership than what we already have. We've got three proven leaders uh, with Chad and Matt and Hardy that have proven themselves over the years and, are, and really run the church on a day-to-day -day basis anyway and have been doing an excellent job. So we're very confident that they can lead our church during this interim period. And so they're forming what we call our pastoral leadership team, and they'll be taking care of the day-to-day -day functions. We'll be getting guest speakers to come in here. And so we're very excited about them. Hope you give them 100% support, both uh, with your thoughts and your prayers and anything that you want to pass on to them. But um, I think uh, Chad has an announcement to make too, as far as going forward as well. Yeah, so to give a little bit of context, uh, 
Adam's wife Morgan serves as our kids minister here at Vaughn Forest Church. And so when Adam uh, came and told us that God was calling them to this new season of ministry, I said, that's great. And Morgan's not going with you, right? Uh, because Morgan and Kendall and Megan uh, do an amazing job. Uh, our kids ministry team leading a team of incredible volunteers. And so we, we knew that it was important not to skip a beat with that. And uh, God does what God always does. He, he provided. And so I'm so excited. Lindsay Layton, Lindsay, come over here. Lindsay is going to be joining our staff team uh, as our elementary director. And she's been kind of shadowing Morgan and learning about that. Lindsay and her family have been here uh, for a few years here at Vaughn Forest Church. Uh, know the ministry know Vaughn Forest, and uh, I know they're going to do an incredible job leading those volunteers down there in that area, and our kids every single week are going to continue to be led, pointed to Jesus, ministered to. Uh, so be praying uh, for Lindsay and for Kendall and Megan and that team, uh, because we're really excited about what God is going to continue to do uh, through our kids' ministry here, but you actually have got to get back up to kids' ministry, and uh, so y'all give her a round of applause, welcome her, and as you see her around Vaughn Forest, let her know how excited we are that she's going to be joining our staff team. All right, so in, in addition to our pastoral leadership team, we've got a search committee that's been formed this last week. Many of you made nominations to the governance board, and we've selected uh, seven people to serve on that committee. Noah Griggs is going to be the chair of that committee, so keep Noah in your thoughts and your prayers. And then up on the screen, we'll have the, the, gov the um, search committee. So we'll start from left to right. We've got Gary Harrison, Tracy Wilson, Rodney Hall, Noah Griggs, Tara Sharp, Hardy Sellers, and Jeff Dickey. So we have three, three people from the governance board, three from the congregation, and Hardy from the pastoral leadership team. You know, I don't know why Gary's wearing a tie, but he's the only one that's wearing a tie in that picture, so pray for Gary. Um, <laughs> so what I'd encourage you to do, it, it would be to pray for this whole team, but maybe pick out one or two people in particular that you have a passion and a heart to support and pray for, and make sure you pray for them specifically. They'll have a big job and spend a lot of time in prayer and meetings uh, discerning who to recommend to the governance board, and I know they'll covet your prayers and your support. Thank you so much, Norman. So I'm going to ask the five of you if you'll come down front in church. We're going to go into a time of prayer where I'm going to invite you, if you're physically able here in just a minute, to come down front and uh, pray for these men. But as I look around the service, I've noticed a few of our search team members are in the service. And so I'm going to put you guys on the spot and ask you to come down as well. So Gary and Tara and Tracy, if y'all will come down. Um, I think Rodney is serving today. And Jeff uh, Dickey, I know, was up here singing earlier. Um, there's Jeff, and he's going to come down front as well. And um, church, what we're going to do is uh, we're just going to take a few minutes and uh, Mark's going to come out and just start to play. And uh, I think it's really important that we just go into a concentrated time of prayer uh, for all of these individuals that you see down here um, in this season, that they feel that special empowerment from the Holy Spirit and that they feel that encouragement and support from you. So I'm going to pray. And then when I say amen, I'm going to invite you to stand. And like I said, those of you who are physically able, I'm going to ask you to come down front and pray over these individuals. And so God, as we come to you as a church family, we just wanna say thank you for your faithfulness. And God, thank you for how you have continued through the years to prove yourself faithful on behalf of Law Force Church. And God, we know you're gonna do it again in this season. And God, we know you're gonna use these individuals who are down front to lead the way. And so God, we just wanna collectively as a church family today pray for them and ask for a special Holy Spirit empowerment on each of them for their spouses, for their kids in this season as well. So Lord, we thank you for that. 
And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can I invite you to stand? And those of you who are physically able, would you please come down and pray for these individuals today?